there. Happy Friday. It's a Wear Red Friday here on the EP Podcast. I'm Austin Horton. Thanks for tuning in. Really do appreciate it. Boy, another week down the drain. Well, that sounds negative. Another week uh, crossed off on the calendar. Let's put it that way. I was talking to, well, I was saying this to a bunch of people of late, but the days seem to grind on by very slowly and the weeks seem to fly on by. I cannot believe that yesterday was three months since that fateful night in Oklahoma City for the Utah Jazz and haven't seen an NBA game since that night. So excited and hopeful that we'll get to see some NBA action very, very soon. That means it is June the 12th, 2020, and this day in sports history had a lot to talk about. The The saddest of, of all the news, the tragedy, of course, of Nicole Simpson Brown, or Nicole Brown Simpson, excuse me, and Ron Goldman being stabbed to death Outside of Simpson's home in Los Angeles, of course, you know, O.J. Simpson was charged with the murders and later acquitted. Uh, June 12th, 1997, the Giants beat the Texas Rangers 4-3 at the ballpark in Arlington in the first interleague regular season game in Major League Baseball history. 1970, Pirates pitcher Doc Ellis threw a no-hitter in a 2-0 victory over the Padres. Ellis later claimed he pitched the game under the influence of LSD. And the National Baseball Hall of Fame opened on June 12th, 1939 in Cooperstown, New York. Ty Cobb, Babe Ruth, Honus Wagner, Christy Mathewson, and Walter Johnson comprised the first class that was inducted. Uh, So there you go. Uh, A happening day in the history of sports here on June the 12th. I wanted to start with a jazz discussion to lead us into the weekend with uh, here on the podcast today. And this comes, uh, the inspiration for this comes from Tony Jones' jazz mailbag in The Athletic today. He was asked by Cole what chances he would give the jazz to re-sign Jordan Clarkson uh, when the offseason rolls around. And uh, Tony Jones said he thinks the chances are good. And the reasons why he thinks they're good is obviously obviously the Jazz love Clarkson's ability to score and his work ethic. And he throws in some math uh, reasoning as well that with the league suspension and loss of revenue, he thinks the impact of the salary cap helps the Jazz in trying to retain Clarkson as a free agent. However, I've heard from sources, several different sources, that one certain number 23 in LA may have already reached out to Jordan about joining the forces with him down in Tinseltown going forward. Uh, It'd be interesting to see if he returns to that. I know Jordan makes his home in the Los Angeles area uh, and that would be kind of hard to turn down an opportunity to go win a title, uh, you know, with one of the greatest to ever do it. But if he sticks around and stays and chooses to stay with the Jazz, he'll have a bigger role, have a bigger impact. He may probably win sixth man of the year. I think he'd be the odds-on favorite to win it next season if he stayed with the Jazz. And I think that he has a chance to win the title with the Jazz as well. And to do it, you know, bring something to a, a town, a town, a state, and a fandom that hasn't had that before. So, you know, and I think the Jazz could offer him more money. So for all those, all of those reasons, I agree with Tony Jones. I think that the Jazz do have a chance of signing Clarkson. I just wonder if, uh, given his own choice, since he was traded to the Jazz, given his own choice, if he would uh, follow LeBron to L.A. or not. So we'll have to see what happens. 
But the discussion I wanted to have is I think it's absolutely vital for the Jazz championship hopes to stay alive and stay as fiery as we think they could be and should be for them to sign Jordan Clarkson as a free agent. I think that all you have to do, and this is not going to be a long discussion, I just looked up a, a couple numbers and you don't even have to have the numbers really to just look at the schedule and, and see what the Jazz did before and after Jordan Clarkson was a member of the team. We'll take a look now. Uh, December from the opening day to December 25th, Christmas, the Jazz were without Jordan Clarkson services. They were 18 and 11 on the season. They were 106.8 offensive rating. They scored 107 points per game. Then from December 26th, his first game with the Jazz to today, Utah is 23 and 11, so five more wins, same amount of losses. Their offensive rating has jumped from 106.8 to 116.9. Their points per game has jumped from 107 to 114. And going back to that offensive rating, when they traded for Jordan Clarkson, they were 23rd in the league at that 106.8 offensive rating. And what that means is they averaged 100 and will round up to 107 points per 100 possessions. They were 23rd out of 30 in the league on the day they traded for Jordan Clarkson. Since they traded for Jordan Clarkson, the Jazz are the best offensive rated team in the league at 116.9. So they went from 23rd to the best in the span since Christmas to now that when they traded for Jordan Clarkson. Overall, they've jumped from 23rd in the league to 8th in the league in offensive rating. And I point this out because Jordan Clarkson gave a, a bench for the Utah Jazz that had nobody scoring the ball. If you recall, no one was scoring. If the if the starters didn't have it, the Jazz weren't going to win before Jordan Clarkson came along. And since he's been traded for and been on the team, the Jazz win games when starters don't play well because Jordan Clarkson gives you what he gives you every single night. So if the Jazz are, are going to uh, lose services of you know uh, Emmanuel Moutier, which uh, by all indications uh, a lot of people think they will because he'll get an offer that the Jazz won't be able to match. Well, they don't have his bird rights, but he'll get more money than the Jazz could offer him because of that. Then they're going to need someone on the bench that can score, and why not have, in my opinion, the second, if not third best scoring guard off the bench in the league in Jordan Clarkson. And look, I'm not saying anything the Jazz haven't thought themselves or don't know already. Clearly, this is not rocket science, uh, but it's up to Jordan Clarkson. It's totally and freely his choice to go where he wants to go after this season. So it's a matter of the Jazz needing to get him into Orlando in game shape, ready to go, see how many wins they can rattle off before they, uh, you know, the season comes to an end. And will they be at the top at the end of it all? Doesn't look likely, especially without a 20-point-a-night guy in Boyan Bogdanovich. But they could overcome some of that, if not all of that, with stellar play from a guy like Jordan Clarkson and Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and Joe Ingles. And Mike Conley, I think, is going to hit the ground running, so to speak, when they get to Orlando. He was really starting to cook before that March 11th uh, suspension of the season. And I would suspect now that they need to fill in for that 20 points tonight Boyan Bogdanovich was responsible for, I would suspect that Mike Conley will have a little more open 
freeway, so to speak, to be more more so what he was in Memphis rather than what they've tried to make him be so far with the Utah Jazz. But nevertheless, I think the number one vital priority for the Utah Jazz to keep this championship hope alive, at least to keep it at least the same as it is right now, is to sign Jordan Clarkson uh, in free agency this offseason. All right, staying on the NBA beat for a moment, Sham Sharania of The Athletic and Stadium, Watch Stadium, uh, he uh, put out all the dates, the tentative dates, the expected dates for the situation in Orlando for the NBA teams. He's got uh, sources telling him that July 30th through August 14th, that's when you'll have the seeding games. So the regular season finale, those eight games will be played between the 22 teams down there in Orlando between the 30th of July and the 14th of August. The play-in tournament will be the 15th and 16th of August if needed. August 17th, playoffs begin. August 30th, family and guests of the teams are welcomed and arrive in Orlando. So a month without their family or guests. August 31st through September 13th will be the conference semifinals. December, September 15th through the 28th, the conference finals. And the NBA finals will be played between September 30th and October 13th. So by the time that next season was supposed to begin... The NBA hopes to have an NBA champion named and then hope to restart next season by the first week of December by all uh, uh, indications that we've seen thus far. If they're able to do that, then they can kind of shrink the season together next year, still get 70 to 82 games played on a a full schedule, but they're going to have to do more back-to-backs. They're going to have to do more four and five nights four games in five nights, uh, excuse me, and the Players Association may not pass off on that, even given the unique circumstances. It's my under, it's my belief and it's my uh, guess that the NBA, they're going to finish this season, that second week of October, they're going to have the draft, they're going to uh, take it easy for a month and a half, they're going to get back to training camp right after Thanksgiving, they'll have a week-long training camp, which by the way right now, Usually, traditionally, week training camps are a week long. Right now, they're going to be getting three weeks or so of training camp down in Orlando, but that's another topic and discussion. So they'll get about a week of training camp, maybe two, maybe two, and we'll see that season start sometime early December, and I think it'll end. Uh, I think the regular season will end uh, sometime in mid-May, just like a usual schedule would. And uh, So what I'm saying is I think the Players Association will acquiesce a little bit and perhaps it's not a full 82 games uh, on the schedule. Perhaps they make it a 70-game year uh, to, to maybe offset some of the concerns from the player side of things there. But I think that we'll be back on track for a full, regular 82-game schedule for the 22-23 years uh, in the NBA. Now the question then becomes, because that's a big year, for the Utah Jazz, uh, 22 and 23, because technically at that point, you know, if it, it, at least based on what their contracts look like now, Rudy Gobert's final season of his contract is next year. And Donovan Mitchell's final year of his contract is 21-22. So that 22-23 season, as of right now, the only players on the Jazz uh, roster who are on the books for the 22-23 season 
is Boyan Bogdanovich, who will make $19.5 million, according to Hoops Hype, and Royce O'Neal, who will make $9.2 million that season. Everyone else comes off the books uh, before that season. So uh, it, it's a, it's, there's a lot of movement between now and then, not just in the NBA, but right here in good old Utah, as the Jazz have a lot of decisions to make ahead of them. All right, just one more story to talk about here today. The NFL has given protocols and regulations and uh, requirements to NFL teams for how to conduct their training camps with social distancing and proper hygiene and sanitation and how many players can be with each other at one time and how many coaches and how far apart they've got to be. And essentially, it's not looking like on paper, you're like, oh, okay, but then you think about it. And it's like, how are they going to do this? Because how do you have, right down to stuff like you got to have six feet between each locker, which could be done, but other things like you got to have no more than 15 players allowed to participate in a single workout. There's got to be six feet of space between each person at all times. How do you play football? How do you drill football while having six feet between two people? It, It seems humanly impossible to me. John Harbaugh, head coach of the Baltimore Ravens, told 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore, he also believes this is humanly impossible. Coach, another memo came out today. There's not going to be any mini camps this month. I think most people around the league already kind of assume that in terms of having an actual mini camp, not a virtual one. There's some different proposals about maybe preseason being shortened, maybe training camp being shortened. How many different, like, I can't imagine what your desk looks like because I got to imagine there's one set of plans for if we have a normal training camp and four games and one with maybe a shortened training camp and two games and one with maybe, I don't know, no preseason games if it doesn't make sense. How are you going about this from like an organizational planning uh, process? Right, exactly. And that's... uh... I'm not worrying about it. I can tell you that we right. have a plan. We, we we our practice schedules are built, our, our concept periods are, are built. Um, you know our time on task and all the different walkthroughs that we do is all is all built. That's something we do all through the spring, and then we'll adjust. You know we'll adapt if we have fewer practices or fewer games or or whatever. You know we'll just we'll adapt, and we've guys got to make wise decisions about what we're actually going to be actually capable of preparing to the level that we can be successful at executing it. That's the execution is the key at the highest level and what we're able to do, you know, within the time that we're allotted and all that, that that's going to, we got to be very wise about that. But the other part of the thing is how we're going to operate in the building. And, and that's, that's what I was going to ask you. Know, <laughs> that was my oh, next I mean, question. <laughs> well, I want you, uh, nobody, I'm going to tell you what, nobody knows. And the experts yeah. don't know. And, you know, everybody wants to CYA it too. So right. uh, I've seen, I've seen all the memos on that. And to be quite honest with you, it's impossible what they're asking us to do. Humanly impossible. So, you know, uh, we're going to do everything we can do. We're going to we're going to space. We're going to have mass. But you know, this is a communication sport, so we want to get out there and actually have any idea about what we're doing on the field. We've got to be able to communicate with each other in person. We have to well, practice, and I'm pretty sure the huddle is not going to be six feet spaced. So, you know, come right. On. So, right. So you know, I don't, I don't know. Our guys going to shower one at a time all day. Our guys going to lift weights one at a time all day. Right. These are things the league and the PA needs to get a handle on and needs to get agreed with some common sense. Um, so we can operate in the 13-hour day in training camps that are given us to get our work done. So that's the one thing I, you can tell by my voice. Yeah, I'm a little frustrated with what I'm hearing there. Right, and, um, and I think they need to they need to get that pinned down a little better. Now maybe we'll know more in two months, and and they'll be able to 
they'll be able to be a little more um, realistic on, and practical in what they're asking. I would I expect that to be the case. I think good people, smart people are involved in this. But the way I'm reading these memos right now, it's uh, you throw your hands up and you go, well, you know, what the heck? Well, There's no way we can be right. And, Coach, you have maybe the biggest, most beautiful, most spacious yeah. facility in the league. Exactly. If it's trouble for you, you and we've traveled. We know what some of these other teams are dealing with. They don't have the real estate to even if you had to put a tent city up. They don't, they don't have enough excess fields or space. to. I mean, I don't know how – it's like yeah. almost like the people who came up with this have never been in an NFL facility. We've been talking about it all week. I'm like, Kenny, there's not enough yeah. real estate for these teams. I don't know how they're going to yeah. do it. Exactly right. And we will be, we'll be in better position to do it the most. And we'll do, a, we'll do as good a job or better than anybody else. 100% guarantee that because we'll be very thoughtful of it. But as a coach, you want to hear that you're, doing, you're, you're limiting your, 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 um, your operation as far as preparing your team. And then you hear that 10 other teams are, aren't paying attention to the rules. And, that, and then there's no... Uh, there's no consequence for that, you know, and then they have an advantage on you. That's what I don't want to see. So I just think it needs to be fair and it needs to be uh, reasonable. And I do believe that they'll find a way to do it. Well, we'll have to wait and see. The NFL's got some decisions to make there. It seems to me like all along the NFL has, and I mean this uh, a bit as a slight, their head in the sand. Up until the social and racial injustices and, and protests came around, and this whole and the George Floyd murder and the movement that I think is instilling hopefully real change in our country. Before that, the NFL was kind of head in the sand when it came to COVID and the pandemic, and they were going to just do everything as normal. Then the draft came and they had a virtual draft and it went pretty well, but they still said we're not changing a thing, we're not changing any dates. And now here it is, and they're like, ah, here, just stay six feet apart. And now they're like, oh wait, wait, we play football. We can't, we can't stay six feet apart. Uh, I am just glad it's not my problem to have to deal with. I would love to see the NFL play. I would also love to see the pandemic under control a little better before that happens. The good news is we got some time before games kick off. We don't have too much time, though, before training camps open next month. That's going to do it for a Friday edition, a Wear Red Friday edition of the EP podcast. A reminder, there are over 200,000 of our servicemen and women around the world deployed right now in our United States military. So on Fridays, we wear red. Red stands for remember everyone deployed. Can't wait for another military Monday. Come your way here in a couple days. You have a wonderful, safe, happy, sunshine-filled weekend. And I'll talk to you on Monday. I'm Austin Horton. Until then, be good to each other. Now for the laugh of the day. <laughs> uh, who's your mind? Well, I don't understand it. I, 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 but, well, whatever. Well, I mean, I, maybe I would. I mean, if we were going to sober that 45%? Uh, well, uh, yeah. I go, well, I. That does not look. I mean, it just doesn't. <laughs> it's perfectly. I know. I just. I. 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 I'm hoping he does it. That I. I'm, I. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me.